0: The foundation of what is Christian prayer. I want to look at other aspects of prayer, like worship in prayer, uh, God's kingdom in prayer, His will, our request and asking, and how we do that, forgiveness in prayer, and spiritual warfare in prayer. Sounds like you're going to cover a lot, Bobby. So get going. Well, let's open. The uniqueness of Christian prayer is our Father. It's this opening part of what Jesus is teaching us. So this is his model prayer that he's teaching from. All the biblical prayers are the Word of God. They're powerful in teaching and instructing. But this was just this condensed teaching that Matthew presents while Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. So it was Jesus' teaching, and he got to this place about how to pray. He believed that this and his condensed, great teaching, Sermon on the Mount, needed to have prayer included and instructed his people, his followers, uniquely how they were to pray as his followers. And he begins with our, like our Father, So he brings us into this idea of family, that you're praying in a different way than the rest of the world prays. And he says, basically, the first thing I want you to know is that I I believe with our Father is you're not alone. You know, you're praying within a community. You're not an orphan without parents. You're not an orphan without brothers and sisters. You're in a family. I believe this is very important because how you're approaching God from the very beginning is very important. So I'll spend quite a bit of time on this opening statement and because I believe of its importance. What does it mean that you belong to a family? What, what does it mean that you're saying our father and that you have a Heavenly Father, and you have brothers and sisters united in a spiritual reality of a truth of following this one man, Jesus Christ, who's now teaching us all how to pray, how to communicate with God, how to talk with God, how to have intimacy with God. You say, Our Father, I'm not alone. I'm in a relationship that has come about By repenting, turning away from my old life of selfish, self-seeking, and denying myself and turning to follow this one man, Jesus, I'm uniting with all these other people who are doing the same thing. We've all left this life, you know, Peter says. We all left our life. We left our nets, our fishermen's life, and are following you, you know, Jesus. They did. They were united in the following of this person they believed to be the Messiah, the Mashiach, the, 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 the promised person throughout all the Scripture that God promised to bring to unite us back to God and create that family of God. And he's opening with that, our Father, that we're adopted into his family By the power of his Holy Spirit, when we repent from our sins and turn to believe in the gospel, we turn to look at the cross, we turn to look at Jesus's death and what it means to us, and it's real in our life. And are you part of this family? Jesus wants you to know to approach God. You need to know you're part of this family, that you're praying to our Father. You're in a community. You're not alone. There's others walking alongside of you that have repented and turned from their sins, and they're all out following Jesus. We might not see that all the time. Seems like maybe a a kind of a messed up church, a lot of half-hearted attempts, but there are people always that are pursuing God with all of their heart. You know, even when the great prophet you know, elijah thought well i 'm the only one you know look at everybody there 's four hundred and fifty prophets of Baal and the Asherah. i 'm all alone man, man, God, your people are really messed up. He goes, "I have seven thousand that haven 't kissed baal there 's people that are living lives devoted to Christ and are sold out to him all around the world, and this opening part of the prayer is to know. You're not alone in that pursuit of God. Come and know that it's an Our Father type of prayer. No, you're not the only one praying for your family, for your children, for your grandchildren, for blessings, for leaders who will lead in a way that you can lead a peaceable life and prosper in life. You're not the only one praying, people are praying. Jesus wants to teach you right off the bat that how you approach God with that mentality are you in the family? Is God not just God, some business partner up there, but is He your Father? This was radical. This was revolutionary even to the Hebrew people that had grown up praying all their life. He's saying this to his disciples who are gathered around him on the Sermon on the Mount are mostly Hebrew people who had grown up knowing how to sing the Psalms, pray the Psalms and pray but yet this was radical. Pray this way. Pray like this. Pray our Father. That's, that's, That's changing. That's very life changing. You see Jesus is comparing, in this prayer, right before this, do not pray like the pagans pray. And he, and he uses the word Gentiles, uh, people. And we think of this as, well, th- these are irreligious people. These are, you know, these, r- these radical, you know, sinners out there. Don't pray like them. Pray. But he's not. He's actually, this word is, is meaning uh, just other people that are very religious. They're praying. They're praying people but I want you to pray like this. So it's like, don't pray like these other religious people pray. That's what he's saying. Don't pray like the pagans and the Gentiles. Don't pray like they do, but pray like this. So he's contrasting, and when he says, when he says pray like this, he says pray to your father. He mentions that even before he says our father in the verse previous to this. He's, he's saying don't pray like... The pagans do with their many words. What are they doing? What does that mean? But pray our father. Pray like to your father. And then he says, he opens the prayer, our father. He's distinguishing other prayers from this unique radical idea that he's teaching his followers to have in prayer. What is that? What what is he trying to teach there? One of the ideas of other religious people is they pray. They pray a lot. They might even feel like they pray more than you as a Christian. Uh, you get around Muslims; they're very uh, devoted to prayer. They pray five times a day. They stop everything they're doing, all their works. Music plays. They all, you know, bow down and to a certain way, in a certain way. At uh, let me see, five times a day: at dawn, noon, mid-afternoon, sunset, and evening. Five times a day, they're praying. Uh, But what's interesting is in their prayers, uh, they have about 99, this is just research that I've done, names for Allah, different names for Allah, but not one of them is Father. This is very different. In Islam, uh, blasphemy is impious utterance or action concerning God. They would actually sing by, by saying Father, calling God Father, that would be blasphemous. It would be like bringing God down to some, you know, just unholy level. They would never do that. So what Jesus is teaching here is very contradictory to a lot of religious people's approach to God in prayer. It's very different, this intimacy that you could have toward God calling Him Father. These types of prayers are not compatible, Jesus is saying. He's saying, don't pray like this, pray this way. Christian prayer is very unique. But the problem is, is that we, as Christians, can pray those same kind of pagan prayers. We can be praying wrong. We can be approaching God wrong. It's not just other religions. Jesus is trying to teach his own disciples how to pray. He's trying to say, don't pray like that. You guys are praying like this. I want you to pray like this. So we can fall into this uh, type of praying too. So um, this teaching is for all of us. Here's specifically what Jesus said previously, uh, right before teaching us Lord's Prayer. He says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as as the Gentiles do. Some people interpret that word pagans. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father. So he's comparing these two different types of prayers. Not an irreligious person and a religious person, but both religious. Both religious in their approach to God in prayer. But Jesus is saying one way is the right way and another way is wrong. People have asked me that before. Can I, you know, can I pray wrong? I was like, yeah, you can pray wrong, you can you can miss it. You know, that's what Jesus is teaching here. Prayer is to be heard by God. So what you're doing is, how do I get through to God? Is God hearing me? On what basis am I reaching God in my prayer? What is the foundational issue here? of how I'm reaching God? Is it because of my many words? What what does that mean? It's kind of like transactional religion. Transactional is this, if I'm a certain way, and I pray a certain way, and I say the right, almost like an incantation, if I get the words right, and then if I say it over and over and over again right, and get it right, then maybe it's a way of trying to like get there. Like I can, God's hard to get to, but if I really do it all right and I work it just right, I might get there. Jesus is saying, don't pray like that. It's like I'll be heard because of my many words. It's something that I'm doing, something kind of effort that I'm making. I'm making an extra effort. If I make the extra effort, God will hear me. Jesus Jesus is saying, don't pray like the Gentiles do. They all pray that way. Gentiles are all other people than the people of God that's what pagans are it's not like irreligious people it's all other ways to God are trying to get to God that way don't pray that way pray this way Jesus is teaching about grace he's teaching about how you approach God because you're a family member and you're going as a child to your father and asking how how does a child ask for things from their parents When they know they belong in a family. They have ownership, don't they? They don't go in and herd because of their many words. They don't go in because of that. They go in with this idea that if it's one o'clock in the morning and they're thirsty, they go, you know, mommy, give me a drink of water. What? I'm dead asleep. It's like one in the morning. But a child can do that, right? Because they're your child. You know, and and you get up and do it, you know, or you go through this whole bedroom routine and you get really good at it, right? And then when you're walking out of the room, you know, right before you get out the door, they're going to go, can I have a drink of water? Can I have a cup of milk? Can I have, you're just like so tired and you've done the whole routine and it's like, but they're just going to ask for something else. You know why? Because they can. They're a child and you're their parent. You're going to do it, and you already know what they're going to do, and you do it. And it's like Jesus is saying, the Father knows you so intimately. He formed you in the womb before your mother had you. He knows you better than your mama. That's pretty intimate. He formed you. He made you in the womb. He has called and ordered your days. He knows you so intimately Jesus is saying, when you go to him, don't think you're going to be heard because of your many words, because of how you say something, because you think you earn a position with God, that you think it's some kind of business transaction, that if I do X, Y, and Z for so long and so perfectly, that I'll be heard by him. Jesus says, You'll be heard because you know you're a child in his family and he's your father. This is just core. I I know I'm spending a lot of time on this point, but if we can't approach God with our father, if we can't say, I know you already know I need this, God. But I need that cup of warm milk right now. He goes, I know. I already know. And actually, this is what's best for you. Sometimes he doesn't give us exactly what we're asking for. I remember one time I wanted a motorcycle so bad. You know, some of my coolest friends were getting motorcycles in the 7th and 8th grade. And I begged my dad for a motorcycle and He got me a bike it was a really cool bike it was like a cool 10 speed bike you know and and we had moved so I was way farther from middle school now I was like so I'm gonna ride a bike all that way he's like yeah it'll be good for you and it'll be safer my dad was just you know it's interesting he just you know was a kind of a safety cautious guy he's like no nothing's wrapped around you on a motorcycle and he had had friends I think that had serious accidents whatever he didn't like them, so he got me a bike he felt like that was best for me Maybe he knew me. Maybe he knew I'd kill myself on a motorcycle. I don't know. That's what the Father is. We might be asking for something, and we're all, like, disappointed. Oh, man, got me a bike. My friends, did you get your motorcycle? Yeah, my dad gave me a 10-speed bike. You know what I mean? Like, disappointed. Sometimes we are, but yet the Father knows us best, and he gives us what's best for us. Sometimes that happens with the choosing of our spouse. A lot of times we think, this is best for me, and then God gives you someone else as your spouse, and then as you, that time grows together, you start realizing, kind of like, boy, I'm kind of glad I didn't marry that person. You know, this might be 20 or 30 years later, but God gave me this person. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. I was praying, asking for my spouse, my partner and wife that I would live and have children with, and And uh, God does things not exactly like we might think, but a lot of times we can see that he knows us better than we know ourselves. See, it's interesting that he says to ask because your father already knows what you need before you ask. Like, he knows you that intimately. He knows you better than you know yourself. I'm asking for this because I think this is what's best for me. And God goes, thank you for asking me. I am your father, and I'm going to give you this. like, what? That wasn't what I asked for. But it but it is what you need. He knows what you need before you ask. This is prayer. It's, it's a family relationship. It is our Father. This is radical Christian prayer. Other prayer is not like that. You pray five times a day, you bend a certain way, you look a certain way, you face a certain way. Old Testament prayers were even this way. Not necessarily all bad about that Daniel in his time was praying that way he prayed in Jerusalem they all knew he was going to get up there and pray he was going to look out this certain window look towards the temple in Jerusalem because that's where God was and God's presence was and that was the way to pray but Jesus radically because of the gospel because he is the temple now we can pray to him in his name anytime look in any direction any place in time in fact you can just go into your closet and spin around if you want and pray you can pray now because of the access you have in christ towards god like a son and a daughter you can be in the middle of the night and pray you can lay in your bed and cry out you can be prostrate and just yielding to god and cry out you can be walking on a hike in the mountains with a friend and cry out and pray there's no limit to when and how you can pray. That's radical. It's radical to Islam, radical to Buddhism. It's radical to Hinduism. It's radical and unlike any prayer. And Jesus is saying, this is how you can pray. Just like a kid, you can cry out anytime you want. And mama and, or daddy will be there and bring you, and they care, and they know what you need before you ask, and they'll be there. Pray like this, not like that. You with me, church? Amen. All right. Well, he goes into, uh, hallowed be your name. Your name is what represents all that you are. It's like you could just say, hallowed be you, God. But he says, hallowed be your name. Like your renown. What are you known for? Like when you hear a name, when you hear the name of someone, maybe famous, George Washington. Well, yeah, he was our first president. I know this and that. Because it still has renown, right? It still has some renown. For a country, you know, g- military, general, fighting battles, leading those people, you know, over a greater empire, you know. And first president, come on, you know. Or there's, there's certain renown about the na- uh, name, hallowed. I actually kind of said that wrong, hallowed. Sometimes I say that kind of two words, but it's actually just hallowed, hallowed, holy, holy be your name, sacred be your name, like set apart, unique, And so when you get to Jeremiah 10.6 and he says, there's none like you, Lord. You are great and your name is great in might. Like, you're great and your name is great. Like, who you are, all your greatness is wrapped up in your name. Just the mention of your name carries with it all of the weight of your glory and majesty. Hallowed, hallowed, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. I was praying this part of the prayer, just entering into worship, saying, God, I'm your, cot. I'm your kid, I'm your child, it's Bobby, again, you know what I need, but come on, God, this is what's going on, praying for people, praying for other people, praying for myself, praying for the Holy Spirit, just bringing on my mind, you know, praying, thank you that you hear me, just in that prayer, and then just enter into that time of worship. And I started seeking out, you know, his name, like, glory to your name, Lord. You know, just thank you. Thank you, Father, for being who you are to me, watching over my life all these years. Thank you. Holy is your name. And the scriptures are powerful. I kind of talked about this last week. I pray with my Bible open or now my phone where I can spend any text that I want and just push a button. Don't have to flip through pages. And I went to Psalm 145. I said, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. We sing about that. We sing about his name and, and, and different lines of the worship songs today talked about blessing him forever and ever, blessing his name forever and ever. This is Psalm 145. So I encouraged you in the, in, in this last week and I encourage you with it again. Pray with your Bible ready. Like, I'm kind of stumped. How hallowed is your name? I'm not really getting anywhere. Open up your Bible Start reading scriptures and pray this. So this is, this is what I did. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Hallowed be your name. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. That is, there's no end to how great your name is, God. And there is no one that compares to you. Hallowed be your name. It, it's just, it, is, it, it it encourages you to pray, doesn't it? Do you hear these words like, whoa, God's name is sacred and holy and set apart. There is no name like our God and who he is. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts like one generation to another. We've got some different generations here, right? All proclaiming. Older generations are going to pass away, the next generation, and for. A few thousand years, uh, and from the beginning of creation, people have been hallowing His name, and it's continuing. So one generation will commend your works to another and declare your mighty acts. Hallowed be your name. Can you say that? Hallowed be your name. Okay. Hallowed be your name. They shall speak of the mighty. And your awesome deeds. And I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness. The Lord is gracious and merciful and slow to anger. Abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. And his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you Lord. And all your saints shall bless you to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Alleluia. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Alleluia. The Lord is faithful in all his works and kind in all his works. Alleluia. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. Alleluia. The eyes ...of all look to you and you give them food in due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him... He also hears their cry and saves them. Hallelujah. The Lord preserves all who love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. Hallelujah. My mouth will speak of the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. One more time. Hallowed be His name. Hallowed. Woo. Hallowed be His name. Amen. This is what you can do in praising his name. Just go through some of his attributes, what his name means, and praise him in prayer. Bless his name. Let the, let the lips of your mouth and your tongue just yield to praising how glorious our God is. And you'll get to your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in, as in heaven. Again, our prayer is this partnership of, of knowing God and being in relationship with God. You see, in the very beginning, God created everything. He made everything, and he says, like, I want you all to work with me and, you know, till the soil and subdue the earth and further develop it. It's like, go and do this. It's like, God could have done that. God could have done it himself. He could have, by his will, brought The kingdom of heaven into the material universe that he created and make it all like he wanted to make it. But he had this other plan, right? He could have even taken what he already created in the heavens with angels. You know how angels are? I mean, they don't like get tired. They're like bigger and stronger than us. And believe me, they could have tilled the soil, farmed it, pruned the trees, expanded the garden, and taken over the whole earth. But he didn't choose to do that. He took his creation that he made in his image, that's you and I, come on, all right? And he said, you all have authority and you do this on the earth. Bring my kingdom, my will in heaven down to this earth and this material universe and make it like me and you are going to make it. Like, okay, that's our job. Sin enters in and puts a big, slow, slow, damper on that a huge setback which god knew was coming and he knew this love of this plan would take a long time coming like leaven in the loaf of bread but even slower than that but come on that takes some time right but slowly working to where messiah would come jesus would come and bring us into that place where we once again and jesus is praying this your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God. Let's get back to that plan and bring it down, your spiritual world, into this material world and do all that you plan to do from time on end in the beginning before there was time. Let's do it. And Jesus is praying that. And he says, you guys pray this. Pray this just like this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bring it down. Bring it down. Let it happen. Everything was like, Moses, build this copy of the temple up here. But Jesus came. I am the temple. He brings it down to earth. He walks into that temple, and he says, this is going to be destroyed, but I will never be destroyed. I will be resurrected. Here's this gospel praying. You're going to pray in me. You're going to pray in my name now. Jesus is teaching us to pray this prayer, this powerful prayer. Your kingdom come, a kingdom seeing everything new, upside down, a kingdom where you gain by giving more. Does that make sense? I'm going to give more, but I'm going to gain. It sounds like I'm going to give more. My savings account's going to go down, but it doesn't. Like you give more, and then your same account, you know, fills up. I mean, it's like, and in life, it's that way. I pour out this, I seem to just keep getting. It's like in God's kingdom, it's like, what, what is this, God? What's going on? This is your kingdom come. Jesus is teaching that. He teaches that you'll, you'll win by losing. What? Yeah, like deny yourself and you'll, and you'll actually find life. What? Give up your life and you'll actually, what? All these things are his kingdom. So when we're praying his kingdom, it's kind of like we will live by dying. That's what he teaches. You'll live by Dying. By sacrificially giving your life, you'll find your life when you die. That's why Paul can say, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. You live by dying? Okay, that's what you're praying for in the kingdom. Dig into that and grow in it. Give us this day our daily bread. You begin to enter into the asking the petitions, a part of prayer. And I just want to use this to say that when we pray in Jesus' name, Because he said how we ask later in John, Jesus teaches whatever you ask in my name this will I do. John 14 13. I will do that the Father may be glorified. This is the same thing he's teaching. Pray our Father. The Father will be glorified asking in the Son's name. And then verse 14 of John 14 you guys can remember that. John 14 14 that's where that was. Okay. If you ask me anything in my name I will do it. So what does that mean? Well For Christians, we've kind of fallen back into that little pagan, you know, idea that at the end of our prayer, we say, in Jesus' name, amen. Therefore, it happens, right? You know, because we've fallen into a rote. We're not even in the relationship with Jesus to be praying in his name. And I'm not saying it's not a good thing to say in Jesus' name at the end of the prayer. It is, but I'm just saying be there with it. Be there in the intimacy of who you are God as your father, Jesus as your elder brother who's brought you into relationship with the father once again and restored everything new through the cross. And so when you say in Jesus' name, you mean all that what Jesus provided and did through the cross, through his death, through his resurrection. You're asking in his blood, his blood that cleanses you, that gives you access to the father to even ask. If you're there, you're asking in Jesus' name. You don't even actually have to tack on in Jesus' name. You can, that's fine. But prayers that just cry out, Save me! They don't have to say at the end, In Jesus' name. I talked to prisoners, you know, that showed me a thing about prayer, about getting down and crying out, you know. And, and maybe, well, did you say it like this? And did you say in Jesus' name? You know, and they were already crying out in Jesus' name. They were already at that point. And this is... Give us this day our daily bread. It's acknowledging that all and every and good and perfect gift comes from the Father. You do not provide and do it yourself. He is working and giving. He is the great provider for all good things in our life. And I know we don't have that desperation of knowing where our next meal will come from. Like a lot of the world does when they pray this. but we should still have that humble attitude that we're just stewards and everything I have is from you. Give me this day my daily bread. And I'm talking physical, the provisions that you have physically. And I think it can mean more than that, but I think that's the basis root of what Jesus is saying. Be dependent on your Father. He's your provider, not you. I believe that's the core of this. We can make it mean a lot of other things. I believe it can have some of those those implications but I believe ultimately it's asking in Jesus' name, and that when you ask in Jesus' name, it's more than a closing to your prayer. You're coming with, i have written this out. I I tried really hard with this. This is important. Not that all the rest, yeah, throw that out. Okay, this. I am coming with the conscious awareness that I am asking God, would you do this for me? As if Jesus himself was asking the Father for it. That that, kind of, Give me this day. Give us this day. Our daily bread. Provide for me. Provide for my brothers and sisters. Provide for my brothers and sisters around the world that don't have a meal to eat right now. Provide for them. Give them this day their daily bread. Our daily bread. I've got mine. Praying for all. This is that community idea of a family asking a father provide for all your children provide for those who are hungry give them this day give us all this day our daily bread provide for them and i'm asking that with a conscious awareness that the only right i have to ask that is through jesus's blood so it's like jesus himself was asking that i pray that you take that with you it'll radically transform your life it in our commentary um There was some commentary from Martin Luther, and he said, Though I am a sinner and unworthy, he will graciously hear me, not because of my unworthiness, but for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? He's saying he's not going to hear me on my standing, my worthiness, because I said enough prayers. He's saying he'll hear me because of Christ's standing with the Father. See, there's one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. He's the only one that perfectly satisfies. What i got to do, come on, this is the little kid in me. I'm the youngest, youngest of 12 kids. But, you know, I get behind my big brother. Like,
1: yeah, hey. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that was me. And so it's like we get behind and hide. This is what Martin Luther is saying. Like, I'm unworthy, but this is Jesus, my big brother. And he's asking you, Father, will you do this? Yeah, he's asking you, see him? Yeah. So that's that's asking in Jesus' name. Martin Luther went on to say that, so you joyously send up these prayers through him and can lay them in his bosom, like, hey, Jesus, right into Jesus, his heart, his, in his name, that he may lay them by his own worthiness before the Father. Ah, isn't that beautiful? Whew, somebody just had to shout amen there. That's good. That's good. It's like, You're praying with the conscious awareness that what you're asking, Jesus himself is asking the Father for. Yeah, that makes it good. That makes it, yeah, I am unworthy. I'm a sinner, but Jesus isn't. And I am, what does Colossians say? We are hidden in Christ. That's that little thing I was telling you about hiding behind Jesus. Colossians 3.3, for you have died. This is dying to live, for you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's like he's looking at me, but my life is hidden in Christ. God's look, the Father looking, at, it's hidden in Christ. He says, Jesus. So I'm asking in prayer, in Jesus' name, through Jesus, his worthiness. It's like, I'm not getting it because I prayed in a bunch of many words. That's every other prayer in the world that's Gentile prayer religions Jesus is you're heard because you're hidden in Christ and your prayers through him and his name and it's coming to Jesus this is beautiful it's powerful and we are at the end lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil that spiritual warfare aspect is that we are in a battle. Prayer will not be easy because Satan knows that's where the power is. I like to say it that way. (laughs) Because he's like, I'll get him anywhere I can, but I don't want to get him praying that way because it will destroy the kingdom of darkness. It will obliterate what hell's trying to do in the lives of your children if husbands and wives will get together and hold hands and pray for their children and grandchildren you know there's power in this and, and jesus teaches this later in matthew 18 power in the prayer of agreement where two or three are gathered you know what two that's a mama and a daddy praying over their children and there's power in that prayer there's power in that prayer for what you want to hear jesus to do and He will do what is best for you and your family and your loved ones and those prayers that you have. Amen? Amen? I know I didn't fully develop those last two points, but it's you can develop them on your own. Just I want you to be encouraged to pray. Amen? As we enter into a time of communion, We're going to sing a song of praise to close together, church. Again, we know this from the Word of God, from scriptures, that Jesus celebrated a last Passover and he inaugurated something new. He took the Passover and transformed it into something radical at his table, the Lord's table. that's what some people call it, coming to the Lord's table, the Eucharist, this what holds the fruit of the vine, communion. It's a word we use. It's a time of what has brought this intimacy this communion with God the Father. What has brought that communion, being able to pray our Father, is the body and blood of Jesus. He has opened up a new way, a living way. He is resurrected and alive. He was sacrificed like the lambs sacrificed before him. But those lambs did not raise from the dead. Jesus is the human offering, the sacrifice that satisfies in his death and resurrection the salvation of not only humankind, but all creation. We praise and remember him. During this time, we remember his death on the cross, we, we remember his body offered up for us. and His shed blood given for us. So in the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks to the Father for it. He was praying. He gave thanks. He opened up with thanksgiving. And he told his disciples, take this bread and eat of it. This is my body given for you. Let us partake together in faith, church. This piece of bread, acknowledging the body of Christ given for us. In like manner, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, given for you for the remission of sins. Take and drink of it. And when you do, do this in remembrance of me and remember my death until I come. Let us partake together. Praise you and thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We praise you, Jesus, for giving up your body upon that tree and shedding your blood upon the cross for our sins. Thank you that we stand hidden in you, Jesus, as we offer up our praise and our prayers, anointing our hearts to give you the praise that you alone are worthy of to give praise to your name. Hallowed is your name. Amen.
1: Of grace is Jesus, my redeemer. There is no more. my joy, my righteousness, and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. This I hope, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to Him. Oh, how strange and divine I can see. All is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Night is dark, but I am not forsaken, for by my side the Savior he will say I labor on in weakness and rejoicing for in my need his power is displayed so this I hold my shepherd will defend me through the deep valley he will leave oh the night has been won and i shall overcome yet not i but through christ
0: Praise the Lord. Please receive this blessing. You are blessed and empowered as God's children to pray effectively in the name of your Father. To call Him Father. You are a son and daughter of the kingdom. You are princes and princes. You have a loving Father who intimately knows you and knows your needs before you ask. And He tells you to come and ask. You are blessed to be an asking people to be needy and to know that your Father knows your needs in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love one another.